In the last seven minutes, we've just seen two views of the indelible imprint that Jesus of Nazareth left on our world. One as old as classical music and one as new as tomorrow, but both focused on this one individual and the mark that was left on our world and possibly the world that was left on us all. Young Steph Spencer is going to speak this evening at the table, and she showed me this video, and I said, no, no, I really don't have enough time to do it. And then I saw it, of course, and I was stunned. What I loved especially was the way that it ended when it says, but he was a man, or was he something more? We want to take these three weeks to start our autumn to say, if he was something more, what does that mean to us? I, uh, I started to follow Jesus as I began college. And uh, somebody had given me a Bible to read, and I, frankly, to tell the truth, I could not get through the these and the thous and the begats and the what. The King James was impenetrable to me. And someone took pity on me and gave me a new translation of the Bible called the Living Bible. And suggested that it would help if I would try to memorize some of it, which made sense. There was this one sentence that just killed me. And and I saw it was in a letter that the Apostle Paul had written to the church in Philippi. And I memorized it. The very first thing I ever memorized, I think, was this. So whatever it takes, I will be one who lives in the fresh newness of life of those who are alive from the dead. So whatever it takes, I will be one who lives in the fresh newness of life of those who are alive from the dead. I read the story more and more and came across Jesus' story in the book of John that Laura read to the kids today. And it said that Jesus claims, I have come that you might have life Life in all its abundance, all its fullness. Or as Peterson translated, I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life, life they never dreamed of. That's where we started last week. In the story that John tells, Jesus is walking along, comes across a man born blind, just like so many of us are blind in different ways. He has an encounter with him that leaves the man seeing and the crowd buzzing and the Pharisees not just skeptical but frustrated. What happens next? Well, Jesus talks to the man born blind and then he turns to the Pharisees and says, you don't understand? This is what it's about. And in John 10, he says, I tell you, Pharisees, the truth. Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in another way, is a thief and a robber. Okay, so he's telling some kind of story. I'm supposed to try to understand the story. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice, but they'll never follow a stranger. 
In fact, they'll run away because they don't recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees still didn't understand what he was telling them. So Jesus started again. Understand this. I am the gate. I am the gate for all the sheep. All those who have come before me are thieves and robbers. At this point, the Pharisees are not feeling very good. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. Remember at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, it says, And the crowds were amazed because Jesus spoke as no one had ever spoken to them before, as one who had authority. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They'll come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. It says the Pharisees still did not understand. They were probably not alone. There are many days when I struggle to understand. I am confused at this idea that he comes, that we might have life differently, in abundance. Because I think of life the way Laura expressed it with these three doors. Most of the time, most of the week, most people, most places live at the normal door. They go to school, they go to work, they go home. Life is normal. But then some try door number two. They become religious people. And religious people make a deal with God. They say, God, if I obey, if I learn the right words, if I say the right things, then life gets better, right? That's door number two. That's the religious life. Jesus is saying, it's not door number one, it's not door number two, it's door number three. I call it the abundant life. I question whether many of us experience anything past the religious life. But when I became a follower of Jesus, door number three was what I wanted. I was tired of life as normal. I didn't trust the religious life. It just made me feel guilty. I wanted the fresh newness of life of those who are alive from the dead. I wanted it then. I want it still. I want it for you. How does that happen? Last year we said last week we said that the abundant life comes to those who follow Jesus and the way that people follow Jesus is threefold. First, they come to Jesus and they see Jesus comes along the original shore and says, Hey guys, follow me. And first they come and they checked him out. Come and see who he is, what he teaches, what he does, how he lives. The good shepherd comes with no guile, no false promises, no scary religion, and says, Come and learn my voice. How many of you have ever picked up the phone and even before the person introduces themselves, you knew who was talking? They start talking and you know who it is before they even say who it is. How many of you have ever had a phone call from your mother? Okay, that's what I'm talking about. 
It's the unmistakable voice. Mom calls wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you know exactly who's on the other end of the phone. And that's long before caller ID. Yesterday, Laura was uh, talking downstairs, and I knew that she was talking to one of our daughters. Not because of what she was saying, but because of the tone of her voice. Her voice changes when she's talking to one of the girls. Different than any other voice. Jesus says you will never be able to have the abundant life unless you start to learn my voice. Laura and I just celebrated our 30th anniversary. 30 years on the 30th. It was a great day, but it reminded me of our 20th. At our 20th, I surprised her with a trip to England and Scotland. And uh, we had a great time, and we are up in Scotland at a B&B, and uh, it's a, like a restored uh, farm, and no kidding, they, they serenade you at night with the call of the bagpipers, and they wake you up for breakfast with the call of the bagpipers. It was wonderful. It was like Brigadoon. We're at breakfast, and Laura is squirming. She's so excited. She, I got her, I got her. She gets up from the breakfast table, grabs her camera, goes outside, because she has seen sheep. Now, my wife has got this thing about sheep. I don't, Irish sheep look different than Chilean sheep. Chilean sheep look different than Israeli sheep and Scottish sheep. Well, they must somehow be special. She's out there at this little sheep pen, taking picture after picture of the sheep. And then she reaches into the pen and goes, here, sheepy, sheepy, because that's Scottish for come here, please. Here, sheepy, sheepy. And all the sheep, being intelligent, go all the way to the other end of the pen to get away from the crazy later. Here, sheepy, sheepy. And all of a sudden, a voice behind her goes, Pot, Pot, come here. And one of the sheep bounces out of the middle and goes over and starts to lick Laura's face. And she turns around, and there's this older gentleman, and he said, she said, how did you do that? He goes, ah, they're mine, Lassie. They're mine. This is Pa. Pa's crazy. <laughs> they recognize my voice. Mary... Joan, Tony, Jeff, Joan, Jesus knows your voice. He wants you to know his voice. Whether you're at work or school or home, if you're being pulled by different voices in different directions, do you know the voice of Jesus? It calls you toward a different kind of life. Let me give you two hints for this. The first is, you will never hear the voice of Jesus unless you want to. You can hear it speak once and then you go, nah, and you don't hear it. And often the reason that we don't hear the voice of Jesus is because we do not stop and say, Lord, speak to me. I'm not just talking about the 63 minutes that you spend in church every week. I'm talking about those times in the middle of traffic or sitting down with a cup of coffee or at night on your kid's bed. Jesus, are you there? Talk to me. I'm talking about opening the Bible and hearing the voice of Jesus. The second hint that I'd have is for you to help sort out the good voice from all the bad voices. There are a lot of bad voices. If you want to know if it's the voice of the good shepherd, you'll know that it's the voice if you hear the shepherd saying, come, come to me. He doesn't say, take notes. He says, come to me. And you will know that it is not the voice of the good shepherd. It is the voice of the bad shepherd if you hear, 
Get your act together and then come here. Get your act together. Change and then come. Then come to church. That's religion. That's not the voice of Jesus. That's the religious shepherd. That's the Pharisee. The voice that says, you need to believe this about abortion. You need to believe that about gay marriage. You need to believe this about Syria. You need to believe that. You get the idea. Change and then I'll love you. Jesus says it the other way around. Jesus says, come and come now. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened. How many of you, any time this week, have felt weary or heavy burdened? Anybody have felt tired? I would raise my feet if I, were, if I had enough strength. Come now, and I'll get you. We can talk about change in the morning. We can talk about that healthy life you've always wanted. But come now. What is your God saying to you? Because so often the church says change and then come. And Jesus just says, come as you are. Come and see that you can trust me. And then, then Jesus says, don't just come and see. Come and believe. Believe means trust me. Trust me. In today's story, Jesus says, And then the sheep leaves the gate and all the flock who are his go behind him because they trust his voice. Come and see leads to come and believe. The hope of the gospel is not that you get into heaven after you die, but that you can have a different kind of life here and now. Different. And have it with abundance. I came here from... um, the National Presbyterian Church in Washington, D.C., and one of the young men who was a member of that church was named Philip. Uh, Philip got married shortly after I got there. He was about 6 foot 19 inches tall and looked, you know, impossibly bright teeth. He just looked like the all-American guy and beautiful wife, a great job at a great advertising firm, making great money. I thought it was sick, all of it. A terrific young man. He joined a class of young couples that Laura and I taught and asked one day if we could go out to lunch. And he goes, I've got all this life, could not be better, but something is missing. I'm doing all the stuff that you say, but I, something is missing. What is it? And I absolutely had no pearls of wisdom for him. I, I remember saying something like, he might need to listen to Jesus more intently and to religion less. Listen to Jesus more intently. And then move in that direction and see if it started to change him. And we had uh, uh, this nice lunch. And a couple months later he comes and he says, I've done it. I've done it. It's true. Jesus is there and it's a different kind of life. I feel free. I said, what happened? He goes, I did what you told me to. I quit my job. I said, no. <coughs> he said, no, I listened to Jesus. And you know, I have made my mark at this advertising firm because I work for Philip Morris and I have done wonderful things for Philip Morris. And I felt like I woke up one day and Jesus says, you will not sell death anymore. Let's find a way to sell life. And he left the firm and he took a huge cut in pay and his wife was concerned that her husband had become a madman and blamed it on me. But a year later... 
they were abundantly alive. Because they had not only seen Jesus and believed him, but they had started to move. Can I just give a little caveat here? I do not think that Jesus came to make people nice. I know that's heresy in Minnesota, but I don't think it's true. C.S. Lewis says, niceness. Wholesome, integrated personality is an excellent thing. We must try by every medical and educational and economic and political means to produce a world where as many people as possible grow up nice. Just like we must try with all our might to produce a world where all have plenty to eat. But we must not suppose, Lewis says, that even if we succeed in making everyone nice, we should have saved their souls. A world of nice people, content in their niceness, looking no further than Edina, I mean, looking no further, turned away from God, would be just as desperately in need of salvation as a miserable world. And they might even be more difficult to save. Jesus didn't come to make people nice. Jesus came for a different purpose. Lewis says, improvement is not redemption. Even though redemption always improves people, and in the end, to a degree we can't even imagine, God became man to turn creatures into daughters and sons. Not simply to produce better people of the old kind, but to produce a new kind of person. Christianity is not like teaching a horse to jump better and better, but by turning a horse into a creature that can fly. It's not nice. Lewis says, this world is a great sculptor's shop. We are the statues. There's a rumor going around the shop that some of us someday are going to come to life. Come and see. Come and believe. The abundant life is on the road of believing trust and it's different than you thought. Then Jesus says in our story, the sheep see the love of the shepherd for the shepherd lays down his life to give real life. And he shares it. Come and see leads to come and believe leads to come and love. As the shepherd loves the sheep, the sheep learn to follow and love the shepherd. And they begin to change because of the way, the path that the shepherd has them on is different than the other people's paths. They, they're experiencing different life. They are learning in the end to love God more than success. Laura and I are, uh, are just very privileged um, to have as two of our good friends, uh, Billy Graham's sister, Jean, and uh, her husband, Billy's uh, brother-in-law, Leighton Ford. Leighton's in his 80s, a great evangelist, teacher, a spiritual mentor of mine. And I once was asking him, uh, how can you sit in church and not be critical when you're so much better than the preacher? How can you go to church? You've gone to hundreds of thousands of church services. Why do you go to church? And, and Leighton said, well, I, I really don't go to learn much anymore. I go to be reminded. I, I go to be reminded of what a great God there is and what a great sinner I am. I go to be reminded. He said, John, 
You can learn, but I need to be reminded from my head to my heart to my hands that Jesus loves me. And it changes me. I had said uh, last week that if you only buy one book this year, you should buy John Ortberg's Who Is This Man? Somebody's already read it and and gives a a, a shout out. It's a great talk about uh, Jesus and how his life and love change people. Ortberg says, something about Jesus keeps prodding people to do far beyond their normal life. Francis of Assisi gives up his possessions. St. Augustine gives up his mistress. John Newton gives up his slaves. Father Damien gives up his health and touches lepers. Jesus inspires, remember? Inspiration, Jesus breathes on Leo Tolstoy, the Russian novelist, who in turn inspires Gandhi, who in turn inspires Martin Luther King Jr. And through King, Jesus inspires Desmond Tutu, who dreams up and prays up a Truth and Reconciliation Commission that stops South Africa from going up in flames. All that was in this book. Because when Jesus comes close and when we learn to hear his voice and when we follow his voice, over time we start to love him and our lives change. And I know that because last night at 5.15, in this room, in this room, Jesus was there sitting next to Betsy who hasn't left her wheelchair in a decade and whose husband has left her and who loves Jesus. And in this room, over here, Jesus came and he met Patty and gave her the chance to be sober again and have real life. And in this room, almost always right up there, Little 19-year-old Louis comes whenever he is in town and hears that Jesus loves him, and even if he is hundreds of miles away, he talks and lives differently because Jesus has shown him a different kind of life. Jesus has shown him the fresh newness of life of those who are alive from the dead, and they're not going to settle for anything different. They may stumble and fall and go back through door number one, the normal life door, but it's not satisfying, and they may stagger into the religious door because maybe that'll help. Religion doesn't help at all. But when they listen for the voice of the Savior and they follow the shepherd a different way, they find abundant life. I think some of you are here and you, you long for that. You want so much to have the here and now forever life. And you're tired of religion. I think some of you have lost abundance in your life because you have confused it with religion. And you've become neurotic about being good enough. And you think that you're not hearing Jesus because you're not good enough. That's not it. Some of you have lost abundance in your life because you have confused it with success. However you define success, whether that's at school or at work or at home. And you're hearing so many other voices tell you whether you're doing well or badly that you cannot hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. Some of you have lost abundance in your life because you have confused it with the pain 
that you're experiencing. And that may be emotional, and that may be physical, and that may be financial, that may be about your career. But you have lost hope, and you need to hear among all the voices in the world just one voice. Let's listen for that voice together. Lord Jesus, we come to this place the way that people came so many years ago to hear your voice. I ask for my friends that, that are so religious that they're not good enough to hear your voice. My friends that are so successful that they're afraid to hear your voice, tell them to go a different way. And my friends who hurt so much that they can't hear anything. I pray that you will be the good shepherd who sees that one is missing and goes and finds them and says, Come. Come to me. And I will give you life in all of its abundance. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Spirit we ask. Amen.